Praise God. One more time, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Let's give him the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. If you, hallelujah. Now the devil thinks he's going to hinder the preaching of the word of the Lord. He is a liar and he will not accomplish it. We're going to preach today by faith from Romans 8. If you'll grab your Bible, we're going to turn to the word of the Lord and we're going to read a portion in honor of this uh, Liberty Weekend, Romans 8 and verse 18. I'm going to read a couple of verses, two or three verses, and we're going to uh, preach the word of the Lord. And the Lord is certainly in this place in a very powerful way. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Can you say amen? Now I'm going to reread verse 19 because I want to say the word creation Instead of creature. Now I teach Greek. I know Greek. I'm not trying to take liberty. I love the King James. But I want you to see what is truly at stake here. For the earnest expectation of the creature. Now that's the last time I'm going to say creature. Because really it is simply the word creation. The earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 20. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him. Everyone say God. By reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. That is God cursed the world because of sin, but he has a remedy for it. Verse 21. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Everyone say sin. Sin is taken care of. The bondage of sin is going to be let loose. Devil, you're going to let loose of our loved ones. You're going to get let loose of our sin into the glorious liberty of the children of God. And my message today is simply entitled Glorious Liberty. Can you say that with me? Glorious Liberty. Let's lay our Bibles down and let's ask God to anoint this frail vessel today in our hearts. Father, right now, thank you for the power of God that we feel. Lord, thank you for this beautiful congregation on this holiday weekend. While many have had to go and be various places, they're sitting today in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. I pray that you will anoint the word to our hearts. And Lord, fill with the Holy Spirit. Let your power come down and minister to us, O God, because you are a mighty and faithful God. And everyone said, Amen. And you may be seated. God bless you. Glorious liberty. Now, man does not long for freedom, as this holiday is so apt to remind us. The heart of man, the heart of woman, does not long for freedom because of a call of the wild or a distant evolutionary pull like we're related in some way to the ape or the monkey or we've evolved from some lower form. That's not, that is not why we long for something more. Some evolutionists have tried to tell us that the heart of man is longing to go back to the ocean out from which it came as was made popular in one production. 
But the heart of man longs for freedom because we are created. And we are created in the very image of God. We have been made in the image of God. We are more than just an evolutionary mistake. We are the very pinnacle of God's creation. We were meant to be spiritually free. It was God's plan that we would be free. He never intended for you to be bound by sin. He intended that you would be delivered from it. And the soul cries out for that freedom. And so it is this morning as we are listening and as we consider the singing and the worship and, the, and all that we feel and we wonder what, what is all this about? I say today that we are sensing the cry of the soul for the freedom that God intended for us to have. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for a freedom that goes beyond everything about us except our spiritual need. Every song tells of that longing. Every prayer tells of that longing. Even our national heritage. You may not have been here at the very opening bell this morning, but we sang America the Beautiful. And I know America's in trouble. I know America's crippled. I know America's got sins that it must repent of. But we still sing America. God shed his light on thee because we love America. And that is that same longing, by the way, the same longing that makes us honest and makes us care about you. What does it matter about the color of your skin or how much money you have in the bank or who we think we are? What matters is that we were made in the image of God and that God has given us this great longing for freedom. And so men would fight one for another in order to secure freedoms for one another. We see this in our national story and for the fight for freedom. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. What a beautiful thing it is to serve a God that is able to take all of life and bring it into his very presence. And so it is the fight for freedom and to give dignity to all people, regardless of who they are. Immigrants, nationals, from sea to shining sea, to love and to care for one another. That is the spirit, by the way, of creation. It was meant to be that we would love people that are different than we are. That we would love people even when they disagree with us. That's why we allow in America freedom of religion. In order you say, well, no, 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 just Christianity. Let me tell you something, my friend. If you preach Christianity in the open market and you begin to tell the truth, the will of God will be done no matter what anybody else believes because God's word is powerful. In fact, I'm preaching it today. Now, there's increasing encroachment against the freedom of religion and the freedom of preaching, especially Christianity. There is a move in our world to make every voice heard except Christianity. And we know that that, of course, is the spirit of the end time. But the freedom in our national heritage to all to worship God in their own expression of obedience. The first settlement in what we now call America, there was no such name, of course, in 1607, but Jamestown, the very first settlers, I will call them, that's probably correct. They came from England, and men and women, there were about 104 in that first little band, 
the first English settlement came by boat, three boats. They left England because of religious persecution. They were, they were not allowed to worship. They were being threatened. They were imprisoned. Some of the most famous poetry that we read today from Christians of the era are uh, stories of, of their persecution and how it shaped their lives. And so they sailed to the new world to find the freedom to worship. That's how America was established. England wanted to tell men how they had to worship and what they had to believe and uh, how they could praise and worship God. In fact, they were killing those, and I'm going to stop there. That's as far as I will go. They were killing those who would not allow man to dictate their conscience. They would not let the king, they would not let someone else tell them how they were to be baptized. There was even a law passed that if you went into water and you were immersed, they wanted to where you could only sprinkle people. That was baptism. Of course, the word baptism is a Greek word that means to immerse, but never mind. All you can do is sprinkle someone. Now, let me tell you, if you want to be sprinkled, you get sprinkled. But if you want to be baptized, there's a freedom of the soul that says, bury me in the water in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody said, you Pentecostals are wild. You haven't seen anything yet, my friend. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're not wild. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Someone said to me not too long ago, what does it matter how you're baptized? And I said, well, how do you think it matters? What do you think it matters? Why do you baptize? Well, I baptize so-and-so. Well, what does that matter? They wanted to disparage my faith about baptism. I believe you have to be baptized. I believe your response to baptism should not be, oh, well, who cares? Your response to baptism should be, I want to obey the word of God. If Jesus said it, I want to do it. So I wanted to know why he never, uh, he didn't care how you were baptized. Then why in the world are you baptizing people? It was just a little conversation. Nobody was upset at all. He was another pastor in another place. Wasn't my faith, but he was a very good man. He said, well, uh, I don't know. I don't know why we still baptize folks. It's like a symbol. We do it as a symbol. I said, well, there you go. We totally disagree on that. To me, it's not just a symbol. Why would I get people soaking wet as a symbol? I I just would be a waste of time for me. I'm going to tell you, when I get in the waters, oh, hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. When we step into the waters of baptism, it's like you're stepping into that tomb where Satan thought he was going to hold Jesus back. But you cannot hold faith. There's a glorious deliverance that comes at that very tomb. There's glory in the freedom of Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. In Germany, it was a little different. They ventured here, they landed at Jamestown, and then, uh, and of course later up the coast and at Plymouth and so on. We're not going to go into a history lesson. But in Germany, Luther would be the most famous of all of those who said, I must yield to my conscience. I must have the freedom of my conscience. Hallelujah. And so it is today we are, in a sense, heirs to Luther, who in a theological sense blazed a trail 
In fact, he investigated Jesus' name baptism. That's another whole story, but I've taught on it several times how Luther was drawn to recognize that there was something powerful about the name of Jesus. I want to tell you something, friends. There is no more powerful force in this world than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It may be the 4th of July. We may be celebrating, but we are celebrating a powerful gospel. There are people right now that are bound And God is going to deliver them. As sure as I'm standing here, God is getting ready to deliver. So Luther declared, I can see it on your face. But you don't normally do that. Oh, I know. That's why I'm having so much fun. Luther declared that he would bow only to the word of God. They said, you will do what we tell you to do. They forced him to the castle there in Wittenberg. They were going to force his hand. People everywhere were buying. Let me tell you something, folks. There's nothing more powerful than truth. And the minute they begin to hear bits of truth and someone trying to tell them you can't even have a Bible of your own. That's what they were telling folks. And Luther said, all right, you have forced me here. I will tell you now I will bow. Yes, I will bow. But I will bow only to the word of God. All my Lutheran friends are saying, amen. When facing certain death, Martin Luther's most famous words are these. Here I stand. Meaning, of course, right upon the word of God. Here I stand and I can do no other knowing that the next swing of the blade would probably be his head. The freedom of religion, of course, it was not. History favored him and something else happened, and that's another story for another sermon. But the freedom of religion has always been in the heart of man to serve our creator, to bow at his word, and to know him in the power of his deliverance. It is a glorious and wondrous Power. Could we just lift our hands and thank him for the glory of the gospel that he has given to us to follow him and his word. In centuries past, some have so hated the impact of the word of God on men's souls, such as I've just described, that they have hunted down anyone who dared to even translate the Bible. They wanted to force people to have only the Bible, let's say in Latin, that was at one time, or maybe Greek or Hebrew or something like that. And this is odd for me to be preaching because I do teach the languages. I've, my first language to study was Latin, and I received a scholarship at the university because of my Latin studies, and it's going to bore you to tears. And then, uh, then I got a degree in Greek and went on to study Hebrew with rabbis, and I thoroughly enjoy ancient language. But So I'm no problem whatsoever with the Bible being in those languages, but... 
what they wanted to say to people was, we control the Bible. You cannot read it. And they outlawed anybody translating the Bible into a readable language. They, didn't, they thought the common people were too stupid. To have a Bible in their own language. Oh, I feel the power of the Holy Ghost here today. God is talking to our hearts one more time. Praise God. One of the greatest translators of was an Englishman by the name of Tyndale. Of course, his name was William Tyndale. But Tyndale was very interesting. I wish that I could have used him in a greater detail this morning. But I do want to reference uh, William Tyndale. In fact, we are still influenced by his skill because it was the Tyndale Bible that became the, the King James Bible that I'm holding right here. And, of course, that's the most famous Bible in all the world, English or any other language. It is the most famous translation in all the world. I think arguably you could say that. And, of course, it's the most popular Bible in the world as well. And it's certainly in the English world. And so Tyndale influenced all the way down through the centuries. But because of his faith in the Bible... He was hunted down. They said, you, you can do this and this and this, but you cannot translate. You may be a brilliant man. You may know Greek and Hebrew, Latin, and you may be able to, but you dare not translate that into English. The minute you do, we will take your life. And so he slipped out of town and headed into other countries and so forth. And uh, his entire adult life, he was hunted down until one day, just a few miles, we'll say, I, I don't know the exact distance, but very, very close to Brussels. In 1535, someone spotted him and they grabbed this most famous of theological uh, criminals, I guess we would have to call him, and they grabbed him and he was put on trial for what, you say? Well, they called it heresy. The heresy that said the word of God will change anybody's life if they can just read it for themselves. It was illegal to translate the Bible. But my friend, I tell you today, you cannot Make illegal the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't stop it in Russia. You can't stop it in China. You will never stop the power of the word of God. I was preaching in a communist country some time ago. And I just throw it in real quick. And, and they said, you, you, they didn't tell me until I got there. But you're, you can't bring Bibles in here. I had my Bible. I was holding my Bible on the plane. They said, oh, we just thought you knew you couldn't bring a Bible in here. No. I was so used to the freedom of having my Bible. never occurred to me I was flying into a country where it was actually illegal to carry my Bible. They asked me, why, why are you carrying that? What's my Bible? I'm, I'm going to be uh, here for several days and I need my Bible. They said, oh, okay. And they let me through. And then when I got to the hotel, they took everything I had, and I didn't see it for several days. And, and, uh, and they wanted to know, every, where are you going? What are you doing? I said, well, I'm going here. I'm going three, uh, three hours this way. What are you going to be doing? I'm going to be teaching. I'm a, I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher at a university. And they said, oh, no problem. The whole time I was there, they were trying to follow my every step. The preacher that I was preaching for had been in prison three times. He had a Ph.D. in chemistry. One of the finest men even today. One of the finest men you'll ever meet in your life. And the devil thought he would stop revival. And I'm purposely not saying where because I, I just 
just for the sake of not being too open about it. And so, and, and those, that preacher's still there and so on. And so I'm going to try not to make it any uh, more difficult than it has to be. And so he, all those times they threw that young preacher into prison and, uh, and told him, you, you cannot be preaching this. You cannot have church in your home. He would go right back. They say, are you going to stop? I won't say, I won't say, I won't say, I won't say. Go right back and start preaching again. I want to tell you why. There's a freedom of the soul that is more powerful than anything man can say. No government, no one can legislate the spirit. You cannot, my friend, legislate the Holy Ghost. God is not controlled by your courts and your fickle politics. Tyndale was sentenced to die. He was tied to the stake near Brussels. And there, uh, uh, there trying to be careful here, that the, of course, there are various ways they would kill people, obviously, but, but uh, this was not unusual. Instead of burning him alive and so on, they considered it grace merciful if they would first strangle him at the stake and then set it afire. And that's how Tyndale died. But his last words were these. From his executioner to the moment that pile was lit. Lord, he cried. And by all accounts, he screamed it as loud as a man could be. Oh. He screamed. Open the king. Of England's eyes. You say, well, you're talking about England. Well, I I first read this from an English professor. I studied in England. I went six years to the university in England. This is not an indictment of any one person or any one place. It is simply a matter of fact that somebody thought that they could stop a man whose faith was in the word of God. But I tell you, four years later, every law that, you know why? Because people began to realize you could not stop what was in the heart of believers. Four years later, the laws were dropped. You could read the Bible any way you wanted to. A man gave his life for it. But they could not stop it. Hallelujah. I'm saying today, you say, Brother French, what are you getting at? I'm trying to say there is something more powerful than men's laws and what men think. You should know that within just a few years, all that had forbidden it was changed. Bibles could be translated and Tyndale's own translation became the very basis of every major translation from then on until about... 1900. So let me say, the gospel of Jesus Christ brings to the imprisoned soul a glorious liberty. When the gospel is preached, it does something to the heart of man because we are more than some primordial accident. We are created in the image of God. His soul, he placed a soul within us. A liberty or a freedom for which the human heart was created. Here is the key. Jesus died to set us free. 
He died so that his blood could cleanse us from every sin. You don't have to be a sinner and bound by immorality, the corruption of greed and immorality that is guiding this world, this lost world, can bring nothing but change to its victims. But Jesus endured the cross, the whip, and the human rejection and the spit in the face because he knew that there was a power that would grip the very heart of man. Bondage to evil is just that. A spit in Jesus' face. The attempt to say we dictate what the soul responds to. So I ask this question to a generation that's in trouble. Why are suicide rates and violence exploding in our culture? Why are we in a crisis all about us if these Pied Piper ideas are real solutions? But of course, they're not. Only the freedom of sins forgiven and knowing your God offers the liberty for which the soul longs for, my friend. The only freedom. You can try everything this world has to offer. And perhaps you have. Maybe you say, well, I've already done all that. And you will not find your freedom. But one touch of the hand scarred with the nails of the cross will turn your world completely around. So listen very, very closely as I slow for a moment to what I'm saying. No human government has the right to enslave our conscience to worship God. They cannot. They may attempt it. It will never work. They would have no breath, no power, no authority were it not for the creator. This nation was founded upon that very freedom. Not the freedom of immorality, but the freedom of religion and faith. And the liberty of the soul to worship and believe is the very foundation of the human existence. It's why we search for love. It's why we search for whatever it is. Folks are looking here and there and far and wide. But let me, let me say one more thing. I'm trying to, I'm trying to hurry here. The, the mighty hand, and the musicians, come on, come on, join me here. The mighty hand of God knew the human condition, knew the prophecies of the end of the world, and ordained that a day would come when the events described in our text in Romans 8 would finally begin now can I be really bold I am quite sure that we are getting ready in this chaotic world to see that deliverance Jesus is getting ready to come so this is not the time for giving up it's time for holding on Hallelujah. This is not the time for looking back. It's time for being strong. Hallelujah. This is a time for the soul of man to reach down deep and say, I have a mighty deliverer in Jesus Christ. I do not care about myself. I care about the God that made me. Hallelujah. 
No more evil. That's the day that's coming. It is glorious. No more racism. No more sin. No more corruption. No more death. No more sorrow. No more pain. No more tears. That's the day that's coming. We are almost there. Could you stand with me? I'm going to. Folks, they're gonna, we're going to sing together. I wonder if we could do something. I know uh, I've delivered my heart today. The freedom of the gospel is the liberty of salvation. And I wonder if you could make your way so that we could have a special time of prayer right around the front. I know that you're going to have to slip out and some of you got your grills already uh, heated up. And so on. I'm not going to keep you very long, but I'd like to pray with you for a moment. Why don't you come with us today? Why don't you just stand before God? Our liberty is a glorious liberty because we're his children. Jesus is getting us ready for that great day. So are you ready today? This would be a good time to search your heart. Nobody's going to infringe on your freedom to talk to God in your own way. Hallelujah. But I want to remind you that he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. It will happen so quickly you will hardly believe it. So why not use this day of the celebration of freedom to lift your hands and secure your freedom in the gospel. Could you just lift your hands with me? Wherever you're standing, could we just close our eyes? Could we just give him a little bit of praise? Oh, yes. Come on, saints. Let's thank him for a glorious liberty of salvation that has turned our life around. And we thank you, Jesus. Let's help him sing it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Could you sing it one more time? In the presence. That's it. Pray for somebody. Let's just pray for somebody near us there. God Almighty. Yes, he is. He's the prince. Could you take somebody by the hand or put your hand on their shoulder? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, there's a glorious, glorious liberty in the presence of God. Lord, you're here today. You're moving our hearts. You're talking to us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it. Come on. One more time. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're, you're offering deliverance to whosoever will. God, anybody. God, you can reach our city. You can touch our neighbors. You can reach the hardest heart. The most lost of the lost. God, you're offering deliverance to us today. We're willing to receive it. A glorious experience. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Of the 
Praise God. Come on, let's lift our hearts together right now. Whatever it is you need from the Lord, before they sing it again, before we dismiss, wonder if you could just lift your hand toward the heavens. Let him know that you're surrendered to him. Lord, thank you for this freedom that we have today to worship you, O oh God, to stand before your presence, to have your divine will accomplished in us. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray for each, each individual standing in this tabernacle today. This altar is filled with hearts that are reaching out to you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, not a single wave of the hand, not a single word of prayer will go without your notice. Lord, I pray that we won't be so busy this holiday week that we will fail to know with a certainty that you are working in our lives. God, help us to see every step. Lord, everything that we're doing in this world, that you're watching us, that you're providing a way for us to be ready when you come. And Lord, I thank you for it. I feel, praise God. Can we just praise him one more time? If you've got a loved one you're, you're praying for, would you just pray for him right now? Hallelujah. We're going to sing it one last time. In the presence of Jehovah. One more time. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you sing it? Oh, yes. God Almighty. He's the prince. Of peace, Father, hallelujah. Hearts, Hearts are mended. Oh, in the, the presence. Oh, all right. Let's bow our heads all over this building, in the back, all the way to the front. Let's, let's just bow our heads together before the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we are awed by your presence today. Everything we're doing today is because of your salvation, your power. We thank you, Lord. You're breaking in on us. You're working in us. And for some, that's unexpected. They, they're a million miles from it, but suddenly you've just burst into their lives. And I pray that you will have your way. Lord, and there's also saints here right now that have needs, some, some illness, other, many, many things. And I am believing you to meet every need. Go with us. Keep us safe this busy weekend. And bring us back to revival. Bless a camp and every family, every home as we greet one another and share in fellowship. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. Come on, let's shake hands with two or three folks. You, uh, you're dismissed. Have a safe weekend. We love you. Thank you for being in the house of God this morning. God bless you.